Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Diane. And today we have a very special guest, Michael and Smith, but you may know her as the Nestor. She encourages women to embrace their homes, imperfections and all. With her signature tagline, it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful, she encourages us to see our homes, hidden potential, and create beautiful and functional spaces that we love. Her new book, Cozy Minimalist Home, releases today. And in it, she breaks down how women can transform their homes one room at a time, starting with what they already have. Before we get to the interview, we wanted to share a rating and review. It's from Tom Barbie in Canby, Oregon. They say, this has been the only real podcast on real life, minimizing the chaos of parenting. Thank you, ladies, for sharing your story and helping me along my journey to minimize. So I was pretty, I think Tom, I'm assuming that's a minimalist dad that's listening. So I don't know how many dads are listening. I, I actually know a friend's husband that listens. So there are at least two of you. We, we love <laughs> you, minimalist dads. We Thanks for listening. <laughs> well, before we also get to the interview, do you want to share a resource of the week for us? Sure. My resource, and this isn't a specific one because they are all over, usually wherever you live, mm-hmm. and that is local thrift stores. We will talk later with Michael about what a great resource they are, not only for kids' clothing and shoes and the things that they wear out of super quick or grow out of, but it is also a great source for furniture, which I don't think we often think about. Mm-hmm. And there are also furniture-specific thrift stores that you can um, look up in your area as well. I know there's one that um, is charity-related in our location that does furniture auctions monthly. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you can find something for maybe $100 or less that would cost Mm -hmm. you thousands in a big box store. Great. Well, my minimalist moment of the week is... I went through and I finally decluttered some of the kids' toys. I know we talk on this episode about how it's honestly better for the kids to have fewer toys. It makes them more creative. It helps them to get along better because they're not fighting over all the toys. I think it just overwhelms children. So I finally went through this weekend and got a big box and I'm donating them to the gym that I work out at because oh. they actually they don't have a lot of toys there. And I feel like they're constantly – I mean, they're played with so much that they – need new toys. So I guess it's just, if you have a local gym or playroom or I don't know where else, I feel like some grocery stores have little places where you can drop off your children. So maybe they might need new toys, but really gently used toys that my gym was really excited to have. I would have never thought of that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Great. Well, we just have a treat for you with this interview. Uh, I have been a fan of Mike Lynn's since... Oh gosh, before her first book came out, and the first book is called The Nesting Place, and just that concept alone of it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful has helped me so much to get, just get over myself a lot of times, like Mm -hmm. just find a solution that works for the time being. It doesn't have to be what the solution that will be there for all of time. It just has to work for what you need it for right now and what your family need it for. One very simple example 
is we had a hole in our wall from the previous owner's security system, and it was annoying me because every time I went in and out of the door, I would see this. And after I read her book, I grabbed a, just a little art print that I had lying around and I tacked that thing up over the hole and I'm like, there you go. <laughs> There's still a hole there, but nobody knows and nobody cares. <laughs> so her um, new book we'll be talking about today, it's called The Cozy Minimalist. And it was just chock full of practical advice. It will make you want to go decorate a room Mm -hmm. right now. Don't you think, Dan? Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to share it with my husband, actually. All right. Without further ado, here's the interview. Well, hello, Michael, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, ladies. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. And in case you get confused... She, she can see us on video, but this is Diane. Hello. I know you haven't met her before. We officially haven't met in person. It feels like we have, though. I know. I feel like we've been circling around one another for quite some time, <laughs> so I'm so excited to actually be speaking with you right now. Oh. And, uh, well, so what did your journey to minimalism look like? How did you become to say definitively, I am a minimalist? Well, you're going to hate me, but I don't even consider myself a minimalist. Oh, okay. No, that's <laughs> I good to know. I'm a cozy minimalist. So, but you know, at the heart of it, maybe I am a minimalist and I just haven't admitted it yet. I don't know. I think I don't feel like I'm there yet. So I'm, I'm not allowed to call myself that. And maybe a lot of us feel that way, but, um, I definitely love the whole idea behind minimalism. And I feel like the definition of minimal is enough to meet a goal, which who can't get behind that. Like, I love that. But I also love like layers and a storied home and lots of like, I love abundance. Like, I think there is a time and place to have things that are abundant when there's hors d'oeuvres. I want them going off the end of the platter. Like, I think there is a place for minimal, but there's also a place for plenty. And so I'm kind of in the middle of that. And that's why I feel like I'm a cozy minimalist. That's great. And we, we, so, you know, we think minimalism is a journey. Like Mm -hmm. you never really arrive there. It's more of just a process. It's an ongoing thing. It's kind of a way of living, which is very similar to how you're describing, I think, cozy minimalism. So would you say that you're drawn to minimalism more as a design style or are other areas and things in your life like time management and other areas minimalist as well? I think first I was a minimalist in my schedule and with my time and the perks of that and seeing like what having white space and margin in my life does, I then... I had to like experience that before I was willing to experience that in my home. So I'm definitely like that in my schedule, in um, what I say yes and no to, even in like my clothes. Like last year I had to be realize that I don't have anything to wear and I needed to buy stuff. Like I'm just kind of a lot of things, except my house was like the least in the last place that I was minimal in. So it was like the opposite for me. Mm. Mm. So you felt that tension. You felt that tension of, wait, this is how I live most of my life, but my house does not reflect the rest. Oh, that's great. That's great. So you kind of touched on it, but define cozy minimalist for us. What do you mean when you say that? 
Well, to me, a cozy minimalist is a person who wants to get the most amount of style with the least amount of stuff in their home. So we're really like targeting the types of things. It helps us make decisions based on like, well, is this going to get me more style using less stuff? Or am I going to have to use 23 pumpkins here if I'm decorating for fall or, you know, 800 tchotchkes on my mantle? How can I get the same look? How can I get that beautiful style that I want? That's my unique personal style while using the least amount of stuff. So it informs the decisions that we make in our home. Mm-hmm. And I think you've said before that like those words don't typically seem to go together, like the cozy and the minimalist. Sometimes minimalism feel feels cold or we feel like it should be cold. It's, it's very, very sparse and it's all white walls and that's all that minimalism is allowed to be. But then you have cozy on the other hand, which I feel like everybody wants to be in their home. I mean, who wants a home that doesn't feel comfortable? So that was just one of the things that I took away from the book was, wow, you can't have it all. You can't have both. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I mean, for so long, I had such a negative thought about minimalism. Like I so stereotyped it like, well, it's a, I'm not an unmarried bachelor who lives in a loft with one black uh, contemporary sofa. So therefore I, there's no way I can be minimal in my life. But I think Minimal and minimalism is a tool and coziness is a tool. For so long, I thought that they were styles like, oh, are you like a defining thing like what you were saying? But instead to think of them as like two friends that can both help us make decisions in our home or you can really apply it to every area of life. But I apply it to home. Minimal enough to meet a goal. Cozy, adding that comfort level for the people. But that minimal gives us a stopping point because when we have too much coziness, it turns into clutter. And when we have too much minimal, it's cold and uninviting. So we want, you know, that middle between the two. Right. And I know balance, we don't want to say balance because balance has like <laughs> gotten a, there's no such thing as balance in the mom world, but it is kind of finding that middle ground that is, you get the best of both worlds, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, how, in your book, you talk about you were a stuff manager not a home curator. So I think we can all relate to the endless management of stuff as moms. And you turn around and turn back, and then the floor is completely full of things that weren't there five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. But what is it to be a home curator? Well, a home curator is very purposeful about what comes in and really intentional about what goes out. And you all, for so long, that was the part I was missing. I was like, oh, come in, everything, Target, come in. (laughs) Michael, Walmart, anywhere, home goods, everything come in. But I wasn't intentionally putting stuff out. And so my house just got fuller and fuller and fuller. And that turned me into a stuff manager who was just like managing stuff all day long, moving it, organizing it, giving it away, fussing at my kids over stuff, taking care of stuff, you know, putting it in the cabinet, thinking about all the stuff I wanted. But instead, when I became a home curator and realized, you know, when you think about a museum curator, they're very intentional about, you know, the art or the exhibits that come in. There's a lot of white space around them. And a lot of times an exhibit may come for three months and then leave. And so they think about the timing and, and how long you need something for. And so that is the same way. It's such an intentional practice. And a part of decorating that I was forgetting was editing. I had done it so well in my schedule and in my life and even in my closet. But for some reason in my home, 
I was kind of afraid to, and a lot of that, I think we moved a lot. And so part of it was always worried I would use, I might need something in my next house. Um, and some of it was just trust, like not believing that the Lord would provide it later. Like, oh, if I found it now, I better get it and hold on to it. Because what if I don't have the money or what if I can't get it later? I might need this someday. I held on to lots of stuff just in case, which was a lot of work and trouble and um, exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think if we're, we're all on board, we're all amen to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do first? What, how do we get started? Well, you know, there's different camps. If you just need decluttering advice, I'm not your girl. Like I'm not a declutterer. I'm not, that's not my thing. My thing is home, but I have found a lot of times we, you know, if you do the um, life changing magic of tidying up, or if you go through the rules, like, do I like it? Do I use it? What happens is a lot of us have house stuff and do we like it? Yes. But do we use it? Well, we're not done with that room yet, so I don't know. So we can't make a decision on things, an informed decision, because we have a couple chairs that our mom gave us that we like and we want to get recovered one day, but we're just not there yet. So we have the stuff that we're holding on to, and that's where I come in and say, let's get your house done. Let's get these rooms done so that you can make an informed decision on this extra stuff or the stuff maybe you do need, maybe you don't need, but we'll get to that. It's kind of like sneaky backwards decluttering. Because we're going to get room by room. We're going to get your home in a place where it feels right and it feels good and it's pretty and it's serving your family the way that you need it to serve you today. And when you get that done, it's going to look so good and serve you so well. You're not going to want that extra crap. Surprise. It's like a trick. Now you can get rid of those chairs or maybe now you ended up recovering them because you were working on the room that they're going to go in and you finally gave yourself permission to do that. Yes, I can definitely attest to the fact that I've never missed not one thing that I've decluttered. Mm -hmm. And it was some things, they were hard at Mm -hmm. the time because emotions were attached to them or you paid so much for them that you felt like you needed to Mm -hmm. keep them. But I have never won. I can't even remember what they were Mm -hmm. at this point. So, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So after reading your book, I've been really inspired to move forward in our house because we've lived there now for six or seven years. And I feel like we just have this basic space with white walls. But my problem is we're a one income family, a teacher salary, and I feel like lack of funds is keeping me from moving forward. So do you have any suggestions on how to go about moving forward now? (laughs) I do. Well, I was on it. My husband was a teacher for years. And so that's how we did everything when we were first married uh, for, I don't know, first five or six years. So that's how I started out. And now I'm really grateful for it because what it did was I, I call them lovely limitations. Like we all have things in our life. For some of us, it's money. Some of us, time, creativity. Some of us, it's um, just the freedom to do things. Like if you're living in a rental, which I have many, many times, you don't have the freedom maybe to paint the walls. But what that is it it's kind of like when when they say like if someone's blind then they can hear better like it makes you develop those other skills so maybe you don't have as much money as someone else but you might have more time or you might have more creativity or you might have more freedom to do things that they can't do in their house so it's not just money at all and I really feel like the reason I am as creative as I am today which I consider myself a creative person is because I had limitations was because we did not have money And because I did not have freedom in many of our homes, because we rented so often that I had to come up with ways to make us love it. And because I knew we'd be moving in a year, I had to hurry up and do it. (laughs) 
a lot. And I will tell you, I've never regretted doing anything in my home. I've never regretted spending $1 to a hundred to a thousand. I've never regretted any of the money, any of the time, any of the investment we've put in any homes, be it a rental, an apartment, or a house that we've owned. It's always come back tenfold of us enjoying it. And then, you know, the next people enjoying it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in a duplex right now and we do plan to move to a family home at some point, but I want to enjoy the space while we're here, even though I know it's long term. It's like, why would we fix it up when we're about to move out for the next family? Why don't we enjoy where we're at now? And then, as you say, so often in your book, it goes back to let me get my focus off of the home and the decor and focus it on the guests and serving others. And I feel like that's where I'm right. I am right now in wanting to serve others, but just being so caught up in the way my place looks. So we need to do this now. I'm ready. I need to, I'm going to make my husband listen to this podcast. We're going to encourage him. Well, and I think it's so important. I mean, I raised my kids in a rental house. I don't even know that they know that. Like our kids are not aware of whose names are on the mortgage. They just want it to feel like home and they take their cues from us. So for you, I think it is important to pay attention. If you If we hate our sofa, then we're going to be either not inviting people over to come sit on our sofa with us, or when they come over, we'll be so distracted by the sofa that we hate that we can't truly connect. And I don't want that for any of us. Like, I know none of us want to have a pretty house so we can show off or so we can be in a magazine. We want to have a pretty home so that we can use it the way we've always dreamed. And I think that is a beautiful and really worthwhile goal. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you've, and I know you've had an e-course, Cozy Minimalist Home, and you've helped lots of people that even before this book comes out to create the spaces that they love. What, What are the missteps you might see? What are the most common mistakes people are making when they start this process? Well, the most common mistakes is simply doing things out of order. That is the biggest mistake. What we do is we move into a house, we put our TV where the last people had their TV, we put our sofa across from it and we start hanging our art. We forget about drapes, we forget about lighting, we're not sure about a rug or we buy the rug too small. And that's all the wrong order. If we would do things in the right order and figure out where our TV needs to go or where our sofa needs to go for our family based on the kind of family we have, based on the kind of sofa that we have, based on where the walls are in that room, that is what we need to start with is, is furniture placement. Whether you love your furniture or hate it, doesn't matter. You need to get it in the right place, whatever you're using. It, because it's not the color on the wall that makes us experience a room. It's how it's laid out and how we use a room. So that experience has changed so much just by where things are and doing things in the right order. The second thing that I think we all missed up is um, we buy rugs too small, we buy art too small, and we hang our drapes. We buy drapes off the rack at Target, 84 inch. You need 92 or 96, and we hang them too low and we cover up the natural light. So these are all like almost freebie changes that we can do. Um, when we buy art that's too small, we hang it over our sofa, and then we're like, we know, we're like, it's too small. So what do we do? Hang more art. We have an accident. <laughs> Not a pre-planned beautiful gallery wall, but like this accident that we keep, well, let me put another one up and another one up. And before you know it, you have like a throw up wall because let me tell you how I know this because I did it like 10 times. And it was because I didn't want to take the risk to invest in the one large thing that ultimately would have cost less than 10 of those $12 things that I bought like 
every other day to make this gallery wall. If I would have just said, you know what, it's worth it to buy that one large thing, even if I have to wait, even if I had to save for it and then put it up there and I don't need anything else. It gives the walls room to breathe. It gives me more style with less stuff. And suddenly it feels more homey and intentional. Oh, that's great. Do you think it's better to have several investment pieces or to buy less expensive pieces that you may have to replace over time? But you kind of said it's worthwhile to have those investment pieces, even even if you have to save up for them. So mm-hmm. do you have anything else to say about that? I do, because I think it depends on what it is. You know, I think it's worth it to invest in a good sofa because your family is probably going to sit there tushy on it for 10 years every night for four hours. So you want to be the most comfortable, you want it to last. I feel the same way about a mattress. So a lot of um, things that are like fabric-y that you're going to use a lot, you want to be higher quality. But in the design world, they call them case goods, like wooden bookshelves, uh, tables, wooden chairs, anything that's like made out of wood. Quality and price when it comes to that can be really different. Like you can find a great quality at a thrift store for a piece of wooden furniture because wood, we just wipe down and there it is. So found a lot of great quality pieces for a really inexpensive price just by shopping vintage or secondhand. And I think that's where we can, you know, still look for things that are going to last us. But if your kid stands on the table, it's not going to fall over, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're spending a lot of money on it. Mm. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So what are those pieces that are just timeless or that you just can't go wrong? Like what are the basics that every cozy minimalist can, can purchase? Well, one of my favorite pieces is dressers. When I find a good dresser, I get it uh, for a good price because I've had dressers with every single room in my house from the bathroom to the kitchen, obviously bedrooms. I have two dressers in my small family room right now. Like they are um, great to hold things, great storage, and they look great. And so I think dressers are like my number one piece of furniture that I absolutely love. You can style them. They hold lamps. Um, They have more storage than like a sideboard or just a table. So I'm always looking for things that can hold storage for that particular room that still look good. And man, dressers do it. And you can paint them so quickly, like just a little quart of chalk paint and you got your dresser painted. Mm. Oh yeah, that's true. That is very true. We have a lot of little thrift stores where I live, so I might be popping in there this weekend after Mm -hmm. having this conversation with you. Yeah, (laughs) that is great. So one thing that mothers often deal with is balancing, like we're all for the beautiful spaces and we want our pretty things out, but we also have to make it kid-friendly and a space where our we feel safe mm-hmm. and our kids feel safe <laughs> playing and um, won't get hurt. So how do, how do we balance that as moms? Well, I'm a big fan of every space, every public space in your home being for everyone in your home. So I definitely believe whether your kids are toddlers or like my kids, I've got one in college and two in high school, our public rooms need to be inviting for them. Uh, And so I will go out of my way or maybe out of my design style or whatever it takes to make sure that is happening and make decisions in that way. That being said, I'm the mom. So I get to pick out what toys go in the room. I get to make sure they're ones that I don't mind looking at or hearing, and I get to put them in things that won't drive me insane. So we still get to be the boss of all of that. I think in a way we have it a little backwards when our kids are young. 
were like, make the dining room a playroom. Let's have stuff everywhere. And then by the time they're in high school, we banish them into their room or they banish themselves because they don't feel invited down. So as your kids get older, you almost need to be more purposeful. If you want your kids to do homework downstairs, you have to have a place for them to do homework downstairs. If you want them to play games, if you want them to have friends over, then you can't fuss at them when their friends are over for putting a drink down without a coaster. You might need to have the kind of coffee table that their friends can mess up or the kind of sofa. So your things can't be too precious unless you're willing for them to be imperfect, which I think it's a little give and take for both. But um, I'm, I have found that I needed to be even more intentional about that as my boys are getting older um, because it's so easy just to be like, well, go charge your phone in your room. No, our living room is like, it has like six chargers in it somehow. <laughs> have phones in our family, but there are chargers. There are places to do homework. There are places you can throw your backpack and it's not in the way, but it's not beautiful. But this is our life right now. And, you know, there's something about once your oldest goes to college, you realize like in two years, I'm not going to have shoes in my family room anymore for my kids. So I suddenly don't mind that as much. I mean, we're not tripping over them. They're not in the way. Um, but something flips in there that you you find a little bit more beauty in that as they get older. <laughs> yeah, I think there's seasons for every, This is just a season that we're in where there might be some toys out that even though they're displayed in a way that I can stomach, it's still like, oh, I just wish they weren't there. But then I'm going to miss them at some point when they're gone, the toys and my children. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I like that you say it might not be the best fit for your style, but it, it fits the season that we're in. So, yeah. Yeah. So along those lines, one of the biggest questions we get asked is how do you corral the toys? How do you prevent the toys from taking over every space of the home? I think if the toys are taking over, it's because we're letting it. I mean, we're the grown-ups, and it's because we're letting it. So if you don't want the toys to take over, uh, here's my Type 5 INTJ coming out. Like, just don't let the toys take over. That's horrible advice. But um, I do think that rings true a little bit that we get to decide that. And I do know, you know, I love toys. Like I love the toy store. I'm one of those moms that like loved Christmas shopping. We let's put all the uh, Playmobil stuff together. Like, I love kids toys so much, but our kids had too many toys and I would figure it out when I would like, you know, how you get fed up and then you put everything away except three things. And that's when they're the happiest when they had those three things to play with suddenly they got super creative. They got along better. The playroom wasn't messy. And so I had to learn over and over again that I was allowing them to have access to too many toys at one time. And it was causing all of us needless stress. That's good to hear. Like you're the boss. You can do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of along the lines of other family members. This is another thing that we both personally deal with and we get questions on a lot. What if, say, the, uh, there's one other member of your family, maybe your spouse or another child, who is not on the minimalism bandwagon? They are, say, filers instead of piler, or pilers instead of filers, or they just, no matter what you do, it seems like their stuff is all over. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say let them be. Um, it's there's one thing if they're doing that all over the living room, all over the dining room, all over every place, but in their private room in their private space, I think they should be allowed to do things the way they need to do things. And that's maybe the way God created them. Maybe they are more energized or creative when they are surrounded by things. Some of us work best in our office. If we have like 
the Oprah dream board with all of these things pinned up in front of us. And that is where we get inspired by. And I think that is a great way to be, but I've realized that just distracts me. Like I need the least amount of things or else I can't be creative. And I don't think there's a right or wrong in your personal room, you know, with your stuff. I think that's fine. Of course, you're going to have conversations and they're going to see how you are with your stuff. But I think when it comes to our family, we let them be the way they need to be with their own personal stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe to take what you're saying a step further, you're kind of leading by example mm-hmm. of, of what you wish, how you wish your spaces to be. And then also, I think it does help to communicate with them, have that open dialogue of mm-hmm. how about the, these are like the living room is our sacred space as a family. You can have all your office stuff here or whatever it is, whatever the situation may be, but keeping that line of communication open. And I know for me, I, I'm a, number, a type one perfectionist. <laughs> and so we've had, to, I've had to, with my husband, like, okay, these are my, these, this is the space where it's a no fly zone and it will drive me crazy if uh, there is anything here. When I would, we've learned to communicate that when before I would just like build up resentment that stuff kept kept doing that and I'd get mad and then I'd blow up and be like, what, where is this coming from? And I'd be like, oh, I never actually voiced that I didn't want it there. I just seethed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, that's, that is um, good to keep in mind. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Michael. And I know that, I mean, our listeners are just going to be crazy for this interview because there's just so many really applicable things they can go out Practical. and do right now. Practical, yes. So can you tell us, I know your uh, book has just come out by the time they're hearing this. Can you tell us if they want to know more about being a cozy minimalist, where they can get the book and then where they can find you online? Yeah, the book should be available any place that you buy books. And you can find me at thenester.com and daily encouragement, tips, tricks, all kinds of house pictures at on Instagram at thenester. Yes, I second that. Definitely go follow her on Instagram for wonderful inspiration. Thank you so much, Michael. We can't thank you enough for being here. Yeah, this was great. You guys are doing a good work. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. After hearing that interview with Michael Lynn, are you ready now to be a cozy minimalist and eager to go redecorate some of your spaces? Let us know. Let's keep this conversation going on our website at minimalistmomspodcast.com or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at minimalistmomspodcast. If you would like to receive our show notes every time we post a new episode, Text the word minimalist to 444-999 and then you'll get an email with all the resources that we mention at your fingertips. Thank you for joining us on this journey. We wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.